0: And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives, he dives into, into the, the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Goldmines with Kevin Hart.
2: Welcome, world. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Goldmines. I guess first and foremost, I would say Happy New Year. Better late than never. New year, new us, new people. You know what we do here. We get inside the minds of amazing comedians, and oh, my God, what amazing minds they are. And today, well, today... Today is not just an amazing mind. This is a master of none. Oh my God! How do I do it?
1: What is this? This is a podcast. Someone asked me, like, you're doing Kevin Sting? Are you doing? Are you doing Heart to Heart? I was like, I guess so. And then I found out that's a different project. That's that's the interview show on Peacock. Then I'm like, am I doing the thing where I'm gonna be in a cold tub? And like, no, that's a different thing he does for YouTube. You know, I don't even, I don't ever do podcasts or anything. I, I'm only doing this because I never see you because you're. you're You're either like filming uh, a a comedy movie or a a drama series, (laughs) or you're doing uh, what like the show where it's like you and the plastic cup boys hanging out with cars. That's like in his fifth season, or it's too much stuff, man.
2: It's a lot of shit. It's
1: too much. This is an intervention telling you, you gotta slow down. It's too much.
2: (laughs) I gotta stop. I gotta stop.
1: People would be like, hey man, this is, this is too many interview shows. That's this is all real husbands. Is that, that's still <laughs> on the air. You still on that show?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're coming back with another season. I'm doing a uh, a limited <laughs> did a limited series encore callback season. Yeah, I decided to do it.
1: <laughs> I do a joke about this in the special. You saw the joke where I talk about you, and uh, you know, for people yes. that haven't seen it or whatever, the joke basically I I say like I'm an okay comedian, but I'm a terrible businessman. And you know, I'm only getting the money for the tickets here. But if Kevin were here, it would be like live streaming to his new lawnmower. And I just started a partnership with John Deere. You know, anytime. (laughs) I I want everybody to know that it's all love. And and you've you've seen me do that joke. I brought you up at the cellar after doing that joke, which was really fun.
2: Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the lesson, Aziz Ansari is on Comedy Goldmines. And Aziz, first of all, thank you. Thank you for doing it, because I know you don't do shit like this. And, you know, we have to make things like this special. And the reason why they become special is because of the unique relationship, the real friendship, the authenticity of just great conversation between comics. Um, That was my reason for doing a podcast. I said, I don't want to do a podcast you know, where I'm just doing what other people do. I said, I have an opportunity to just have real dope conversations with my friends and allow the world to hear us talk about the craft that we love so much um, and talk about our journey of, of, I guess you can say our work, the work journey slash whatever on this road to success that we've had, man. you've had quite the fucking run, man. Uh, An amazing success story you are, Aziz. Where are you from? for the people that do not know.
1: Uh, I grew up in South Carolina. I was born in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and I grew up mostly in a small town called Bennettsville.
2: Uh And comedy, comedy is a discovery how? Like, you know, is this a, is this the family thing? Is this a family goddamn uh, craft? Are there other people that have pursued the world of funny that you said, I want to do what they did? Or are you the first?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, my dad, he's a doctor, but he is kind of, you know he's a funny guy, and and um, you know I, I I grew up like being around someone with a sense of humor, and I like making people laugh, tame stories. Everybody, I guess, but I I didn't start doing stand up till I went to NYU. I was uh, um I was like a, it was like the summer of my freshman year when I started doing comedy at the Comedy Cellar. Actually, I did I did like they had new talent nights back then, and that, that's when I um that's when I started doing.
2: But why? Why, why comedy? What was it that made you say, you know, I, I need to get on that stage? I mean,
1: you know, I was in college and there was like, we were hanging out with some friends and someone was like, oh, you know, I was telling like a funny story or something and someone was like, oh man, you should, um, you should do one of those new town nights and try to do stand up and then kind of the same thing happened again a week later and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then I went to the comedy cellar because I was like, all right, I've never even been to a comedy club. I've just seen like, specials on tv and things like that so i went and i and um i was like oh yeah i think i can do this i mean it was like a good night to go for that kind of situation because like there wasn't many people there the guy was kind of tanking and and i was like yeah yeah, i can i can do this
2: and isn't it weird when you when you go right like I, i tell the story of me going to my first comedy club man and there was this weird energy that was in the building. And it's like this thing. And I, 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 this was the laugh house, Philadelphia, PA, the first comedy club that I've ever set foot into, because like you, you know, you said it's not something that, that you were aware of. It's not like this was a world that we frequented in. And when you make the decision, you got to find out where to go. And it was something about seeing somebody on stage, seeing those bright lights, seeing an audience laugh. Uh, at, another person's, at another person's story talent It was something that hit me where, where I instantly said, this is what I want to do. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I can do this. this. This could be my thing. Was it that type of lightning bolt for you? Or was it just like, oh, I can do this?
1: I, well, I was like, I can do this. And like, I can try to do this and see what happens. And then I did the first show. And, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have good material, but I was very comfortable on stage. And when I finished, I was like, I can get good at this. I know I can get good at this. And I just want to mm. get very good at it. And um, and then after doing it about, I don't know how long, at a certain point I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm, I, I'll i do something with comedy. I don't know what it'll be at the least. I'll just tour comedy clubs. And I'd rather do that than any other job.
2: What was the career that you left behind?
1: Nothing, I was just in college. So I'd, I, you know, by the time I finished college, I was kind of, doing okay, and I could do colleges for shows and stuff, and, and um, I was kind of on my way a little bit. But. How, how long ago did you, when was when you first started? How many years ago?
2: I was 19, 1998, 1998. Wait, what? So 1998, man. So
1: I was 2001. You know what's interesting is I think about like, when we started, right, like you didn't know many comedians, right? It was only yeah. a few, and now there's so many comedians that are famous and have Netflix specials and it's like, oh, okay, it's much more of a path. But like when I was young, like it was just like Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock. Like that's, yeah. that, that was it.
2: The, the, the success pie, it was a lot smaller of, of people that were doing it that had won for it. I'm gonna tell you what really changed, right? Because you gotta think if this was, we came up in the, in the time where, you know, I call it the time of the deal where where the comedians were being given deals, right? And it was, you know, you go look at Jim Brewer, you know, uh, you go look at, um, I mean, God, David Spade. You go look at a lot of those guys that were coming up and they had like these development deals. I remember like, it was like the, the land of comedians are supposed to get sitcoms. And if you yeah. got a sitcom, then that meant that you were making it right. And, you know, that that was our trajectory. That was the path that we were on. That was the dream. And now, like you said, it's every there's so many, there's so many comics um, and there's so many different there's so many doors. That these comics can go through, right? And we didn't, we didn't have that. It was either an HBO special, uh Comedy Central special, or some type of deal to get a sitcom. Something, something in that, in that order was was. It was just that was the road. That was the road that you were trying to get on to go down to win. Um, for you, what what was the first win? What was that first that first moment of success for you?
1: I, you know, the it, and it's it's a small amount of success, but it meant so much to me at the time. And and it still, you know, is an exciting moment for me was when I was still kind of doing open mics and stuff. And then I I did an audition at the Comic Strip, which is a club in the Upper East Side of New York. And uh, I got passed there, meaning they were like, oh, you can be a regular here. And it was such a big deal because it was kind of the first time like someone was actually saying like, you are a comedian, like someone's actually paying you to do this, even if it's mm. like 15 bucks or whatever, you're not just a dude who's just showing up at open mics. And like that kind of validation was, it, it was huge, you know? And, um, you know, that was like one of the first moments I remember like feeling like, oh wow, like-
2: uh, You're a comic. Something, yeah, I done it. A- yeah, you're, you're a fucking comic. Um, were you ever a part of like a, a, a circle? Right. Like, you know how there, there's a moment, especially in the city where you start to you start to frequent and go around. And because of that, you find yourself inside a inside a circle. Right. Like my circle was Keith Robinson, Patrice O'Neill, Voss, Norton, um, you know, Burr. Like that was our that was our circle. We had a little, little, little a little camarader- camaraderie within our, within our friendship, but that was my hangout circle. Um, Did you have that? Did you go through a phase where where you found yourself in one?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely guys like, you know, Nick Kroll and and, and John Mulaney and that kind of era of uh, people. Um, And we would see each other around all the time. And, you know, these guys are also doing pretty well. And we would kind of, do a lot of the same stuff, whether it's like, you know, going to Montreal or Aspen or whatever it is, and you kind of end up, you know, becoming buddies with everybody. Did
2: you find yourself ever in a space where uh, you were on the opposite side of like the conversation? You know, like uh, it gets very competitive in, in stand up comedy, right? And as you were making it, where you were part of the conversations, of, why the fuck is he getting it? Why is this guy getting shot?
1: I mean, usually when those conversations are happening, they're not happening them with you. They're usually uh, talking amongst each other, but. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, that that still happens. There's always some version of that even, even where we're at now, you know? But uh, I think what has changed is like, you know, at a certain point, the people that kind of do that thing, they kind of just, they're not around. You know what I mean? You don't see them around anymore. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's also different now because there's just so much it's not like it was back then where it's like oh you, there's only so many sitcoms on ABC or NBC or whatever there's so many different things you can do exactly you can do, it, you can do a podcast you can do whatever So it doesn't feel like there's like a limited number of, of spots you know what I mean
2: What I love about you is that your creativity is always on display man like you're um, you're, you're an artist and, and I want to make sure I say that um, with a with a hell of a tone and 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 you know a, a high level of 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 passion behind it because you know as as comedians you know we we do perform and we we are artists to some degree but then you have some comedians that really flourish in and finding ways to put their artists um or their side of art on, on display differently. And and you you really do that. You're you're a visionary. You're you're extremely creative. And even from your last special, the one that you just put out, man, like, you know, the title, the name, the 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 cover, your the tour, like when you put the dates together. Like there's a there's a there's a thought process and, and I love the way you break shit down. Um is that is that a priority to you? Is it is it is it the 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 recreating of self? Is that a priority to you at this point in your career of figuring out new ways to present Aziz Ansari?
1: Well, you know what was interesting is the 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 special that's coming out. I don't I don't know when this is coming out, but the special comes out on the twenty sixth, I think. And um, I wasn't planning on doing this. I was in New York in like October and I hadn't done stand-up at all. I hadn't done stand-up. I didn't do stand-up at all during the lockdown. I was in London the whole time. Um, my girlfriend lives in London, so I was there for the whole lockdown and, and and I wasn't doing any of the shows in parking lots or any of that kind of stuff. So when I came back to New York in October, that was the first time I had, was able to like go up and I and I went to the Comedy Cellar and and you know, I was like, hey, I'm just gonna go up for fun. I'm not gonna, you know, do a bunch of sets or whatever, but you you know how the the bug is. So I I, I went up and then I, I, I just started going up all the time. And then, you know, I had a decent amount of material. And and it was it was around the time I saw you. I was like, hey, I'm thinking about just recording this material without doing like a huge tour and just putting it out quickly because, you know, a lot of the stuff is very of the moment about COVID or whatever. And it's not gonna last kind of the two year cycle. I mean, I don't know if most people know that. You know, most of us, most of the time, the kind of process we do. You start working on material at a club. It kind of grows. You start doing bigger club shows and you start doing small theaters and then you kind of do your bigger shows. And then at some point in the middle of that tour, you film it as a special. But that kind of period from like when you first started doing some of these jokes to when you film, it's a long time. So the joke kind of becomes something a little different for you. Maybe you're a little tired of it, you don't have the same enthusiasm you had for it in the beginning just from doing it so many times. So when I saw you, I think it was like maybe November, I was I funny, was, I had this yeah. idea of like, oh, what if I just film it and also try to capture, you know, what we were doing that night at the Comedy Cellar, which is like, oh, like, I think that was like me, you and Chris, or maybe it was just me and you. And we dropped in at the Comedy Cellar, the audience didn't know we're coming and we're performing in this really intimate venue where there's like, you know, 80, people. And a lot of times those are some of my favorite shows, more so than the big, you know, theaters or whatever, you know? And so when I was thinking about what would be exciting to do to kind of make it feel different, because at this point it's like, it's pretty insane if you think about how many specials we have, you know? Like we have so many specials, you know? When you look at some of the great comedians, older comedians, they didn't film this many specials. So it's like, all right, you keep filming these specials. There's also so many people filming specials now that, you know, to do something that feels a little different, I guess that is in the back of my head a little bit. So the idea was like, oh, like, what if we really try to capture this feeling of doing a set in a nightclub, like one of these shows that people get when they come to the cellar and me or yourself just pops in and, you know, it is a bit more intimate and it doesn't feel like all these specials that we do where we're in a big theater. So I was excited by that idea. And so I, I was like, all right, let's do this as fast as we can. I filmed it like in the middle of December. And then, you know, the fastest Netflix could put it out was, you know, the 26th of January. So I had this month and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do shows on the weekend and that'll be it. I mean, and cause then, you know, once the special comes out, that material is burned. So I just had to kind of do stuff and, um, and that's what I did. So it kind of, I called it the last minute tour cause I mean, that's what it was. And it's crazy cause I announced the tour and the day I announced the tour, I tested positive for, for COVID.
2: And, uh, and, yeah,
1: and, uh, and I was like, I don't know if people are going to come, like what's going to happen. But you know, the shows have been fine. Like people have come, but it's weird. Cause I like drive up to the venue or, and I'll see this long line of people. I'm like, what are all these people doing? They're all gonna get COVID. Are they crazy? What are they doing? Oh fuck, they're coming to my
2: show. <laughs> oh. oh, that's right. They're coming to see me. That's right. That's I forgot. Yeah. Uh, the name of the special, ladies and gentlemen, the name of the special was uh nightclub comedian. And you know, just to just to reiterate some of the things that Aziz said here, that's so dope about it, man. You know, we bumped into each other in the city. Um, and you know, I was going to the city because I I like he just said you get this bug and it's weird you know it starts off it starts off as just something that's very low-key it's like yeah i'm gonna go and i'm just gonna see what the fuck happens i'm gonna go on stage and see what can come out of me just talking and what happens is you get to talking and you start falling in love with some of the shit that you were saying so me and aziz were just beating up spots and by that i mean we were just going up we were going up uh you know three four times out the week uh doing multiple sets and Aziz, I said, dude, are you working on some stuff? And he's like, Yeah, I feel like I got some good shit. And I sat down and I watched him. And that's the most exciting part of this craft. You know, when you get to see your peers, when you get to see your peers work on their on their material, when you get to see them in the in the comedy gym. And I sat back and I watched Aziz man. And I I, I loved to watch him work. I love to watch him really work like you you see the jokes you can see where he's thinking you can see where he's mixing you can see where he's rearranging uh he's got his pad but the thing that i love the most is i saw some happiness i saw a guy that was happy with the fucking craft
1: yeah no you don't realize how much you miss it until you start doing it again and I, you know, I, 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 like writing and directing and I'm working on a project now. So I was like, Oh, I don't have time to do a tour. I don't have time to do stand up. I, I don't have time to really like fully throw myself in this. But then when I was there in October, you know, there's something about it. It's kind of like, I mean, look, like you do so many things and then you still always find time to do stand up and, and you were there that night, you know, and, and I saw you working and like, you can tell when you see us up there, it's the same thing. I saw it in your face too. It's like there's something you get from this, this craft where the people are right there and you're getting an immediate reaction. And it's almost, you know, the best shows are almost these shows where it's like, oh, that was just, that was just us and those people. And what happened that night, that was a singular thing. No one's gonna see that exact show ever again. It's not possible. And it was really fun. Something was connecting with you and this crowd. And, you know, that's what I was trying to capture with the special and I think, you know, it is an interesting process when you know when we're at the cellar and like, like you're there or Chris is there and we're all like working on stuff and you kind of see. It's fun for us, I think, because like I watch you and 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 you see like oh the seeds of these bits that are just starting out and you're like oh man in like a couple of months that's gonna be that's gonna be a monster and and then exactly. sometimes I do run into you or Chris or whoever a couple of months later and you see how that bit has evolved and where you go. And uh, it's really cool.
2: You saw the baby before the baby walked. Um, you, you saw the baby and, and it's like, oh my God, I, like you said, I see where that's going. Uh, I love, I love how you did it. I love, I love that the audience is actually going to be able to take away a full impromptu experience, um, that you turned into a special. You know, those pop-up sets, like you said, is not just amazing for you. It's always amazing for the audience that doesn't expect it because you're getting a genuine surprise. You're getting a genuine reaction and they find themselves engulfed in some shit that they had no idea that they were coming there to see.
0: It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Dude, I started going out. I did my first theater, did Bakersfield. I went to Bakersfield and did like a little 2,000 seat oh, theater nice. just to see how it felt, to see how it felt. And it it felt like fucking- it's a much
1: different thing to be in being a theater, right? Like- Yes. I, 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 I did my 10 days of isolation and did a show in Charlotte like the next day. And like, it it's so different to be with that bigger crowd and, and that bigger space. And how, how did you like it? How did the set feel? In Bakersfield? It's,
2: it felt good it felt good. You know, I need to, I need to see where the laughs are. What's the consistency, you know, where are my gaps at? What needs to improve? Yeah. How am I getting off? And it, there was such a nice flow. And what I knew would happen. I said, when I get up there, you know, you get a different energy you, that the bigger, the bigger the room, there's a different energy. There's a different yeah. step. And that, that adds as another joke that adds as another, another layer to your, to your funny at that point. And, it played a major factor you know it really it really it really made me uh it just kind of amped up the excitement to put some dates together and, and figure out the tour and when and what like i'm i'm in there now
1: yeah i mean at this point i've done i, I realized the other day that i have been doing it like 20 years which is so crazy to think like I, there's been more in my life where i've been doing stand-up than not doing stand-up and um, when doing the tour this time i realized i, I really love the comedy club sets cause there's something cool about them not knowing you're coming. And there's something that's a little bit looser. And it's almost like there's a little more permission to to not care, which makes you a better comedian, you know? And like when people come to theater, mm. you're kind of like, oh damn, well, they paid mm. a lot of money. I I really gotta give them a show. You can't. I mean, you still try to be loose and whatever, but you're never you're never able to push it quite as much as you can in the club. But I mean, I, I try my best, but there's something about like, I don't know, I love creating these nights where like there's a few of us, and the audience doesn't know, and and they really, you know, get this crazy show, especially like you know when you know they're like really comedy fans. Like some of the times you know that you and I have done that, there are people that are there at like you know twelve thirty on a on a Wednesday. So you know it's really they weren't expecting it, and they're they're really there yeah. for comedy, and and it's such a fun fun thing to do.
2: Let's shift gears real quick, man. Let's go to to you now, and the other side of creativity, right? You know, uh, a stand-up comedian you are, and an amazing one, um, constantly, like I said, recreating yourself, putting out new material. Um, but then after that, there's this shift. You know, you went to this space of development within television, and you ended up developing uh, one of the most successful series um, on Netflix's platform, right? Master of None. You, you went and you put this idea together. Where did this come from? Where did the where did the want to 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 kind of be there
1: master none was just uh you know alan yang who co-created the show with me me and him were working together on parks and rec and uh he was a writer on the show and i was an actor on the show and you know as that show was ending
2: oh hi who's this this is my little guy he's a fan but he also he also has no respect uh-huh. for dad when dad's working hmm? yes you hey, want to sit no, up here so while dad good. does it go ahead <laughs> come on sit on my lap this is uh kenzo Kenzo is four years old. Whoa. yeah he'll sit here. He'll sit here with his dad all day Aziz, and just he'll listen. He'll do exactly what he's doing right now. just watch you. Say hi so we can finish talking. Hi. Oh go. hi job. Kenzo. Yeah. yeah, that's right. you got some of these coming soon. Oh, yeah. work I hope so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you just wait. Uh, come on I want it give it to me master or none.
1: So we were like let's do a show together. And you know, what's crazy is we did the show for Netflix and this is at a time when no one was doing Netflix shows. You know, mm-hmm. the idea of doing a Netflix mm-hmm. show was still like when we went to pitch the show, there were three posters there. It was it was House of Cards, Orange is the New Black and Lily Hammer. Like that was it. They didn't have this whole empire like they have now. So but they were really enthusiastic about us doing a show together and um and we kind of took a gamble on Netflix, which now is not a gamble at all, but back then it was a little bit of like, you know, well, I think this will work. And, and yeah, it was a great experience. And and you know, the show was, uh, you know, I think the show worked because it was kind of, it was the kind of first show like this where like someone that looked like me was leading the show and kind of showing like our version of New York with, you know, the kind of diversity that we see really in our friend group and stuff like that. And you know, it was, uh, it was, it was a great experience, and, and, you know, we did the first two seasons, and then the third season we did recently, and that I did something, you know, completely different. It was more of a dramatic season, and uh, that was really fun, and, and uh, you know, it was cool that they let us push it that far and try something that different.
2: That's what I love. I love that it, you know, you you have levels in it. Right, the when you talk about the dramatic version, and also like there's a nice little dramedy side to it, right? Like it's comedy, and you got a nice little a nice little tone. But I think it puts your talent on display in a different way. Um, here's what I wanted to say, though. Right, like with you, master of none. So you get the success, your show becomes success, your stardom now is amplified because people now. Are identifying you with not just stand up but now that got this show. Um how was that for you? How was it? How was the fame side of it, right? Have you have you responded well to the attention to the spotlight to the fame to the oh my God that's or is it something that, you know, uh you try to be a little more reserved with?
1: Well, you know, I kind of take lots of breaks in between, you know, like after we did season one, we took a break before season two, I did the same with, with season three just to kind of have a recharge and you know whether it's doing a stand-up tour or whatever like I kind of like uh I kind of go off duty for a little bit you know what I mean like I kind of, I don't like keep doing stuff all the time I kind of mm. I kind of just stop and and kind of take time to work on a script or whatever so I never get so I never feel like I'm so in the fame moment you know but Got you. you know obviously like at a certain point it is it is what it is and like You know, I'm in L.A. and they're like taking pictures while I'm at the grocery store or something. (laughs) It's like, all right, well. Is it,
2: is that for your mental though? Do you feel like, you know, you've just always been aware of that space and that separation just for you to kind of be better for yourself, for your craft? Like, how did you, how did you develop that understanding of after I do something, let me make sure I take some time to myself?
1: Well, look, it's not even about, it's time to myself to kind of be a person, but it's also time to kind of just recharge and to kind of develop. And, you know, look, I talk about this in the special, right? There's kind of, there's kind of, there's like two modes, right? There's one mode, like I'd say like you or someone like Lena, you guys have so many projects and you're you're kind of always running pretty fast. You have a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I've never been able to do that. I always just kind of, it ends up kind of spreading me thin and I don't have as much fun and I don't feel like I'm doing the work I want to do as much. So I kind of made a choice of like hey, I'm only going to work on the things I work on and really just focus on those and take my time with them. And um and the story I tell is in the specials about, you know, I ran into Frank Ocean one time and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, what how do you do it? Like you 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 never do press, you never tour, like what what's the what's the secret?" Like, and you still have a great career. And he was like, "Oh, you just got to be comfortable making less money." And it fucking yeah. It hit me! I was like, "Oh, well, yeah. that is the secret." Yeah. and so that I is. kind of, I kind of made that choice to kind of, you know, just not do as much stuff, but kind of really focus on the things I do, and um, and, and and that works better for me. And the stuff that I make, I feel, I feel like I'm able to kind of put out stuff that I feel better about, and kind of give that focus and that time. Because when I when I kind of do too many things, whenever I try to multitask in that way, it kind of gets hard for me. I mean, even this has been hard, like. I've been doing the special. And then I'm prepping the other Project, and kind of they're both kind of colliding, and, it, and it's a lot. But the, once the special comes out, I'm kind of done, right? I'm not doing any anything else. But um. it's
2: exactly what you said, though. It's that it's that decision. It's being comfortable with that decision, right? And you know, the 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 financial gain that's attached to our craft, of course, it's amazing. But when you're able to make a decision that's best for you, once again, your mindset, your mental, um, ultimately, that's that's the that's the real value. That's the real the two, the
1: two stories I always think about are that Frank Ocean story. And then another story I think about is I heard the story where someone was trying to get Jack Nicholson to do something, and he's you know retired or whatever, and they kept pushing him. And and eventually he said something like, Oh, you know what I did today? Uh I sat under a tree and I read a book. And I heard that and I was like, Wow, oh, that sounds amazing. And then I realized, oh well, I could do that every day if I wanted to. I just choose not to do that. Yeah. And it you know thinking about that and just thinking about oh yeah that, like how you choose to spend your time like it is your choice and 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 it's easy to kind of say like oh I wish I could do that and it's like yeah you can you have to make the choice to do it and and not do this and you know maybe make less money or whatever it is and and turn down opportunities it, it, it's all a choice but I, I'm really happy with the way that I have. My stuff set up, but that—that's for me, and that's what I—that's—that's what I do, and it works for me. That's not for everybody, and I'm not like—not like poo-pooing the other way of doing things. It's just you know. No,
2: you're—you're saying what works for you. You also uh. You talked about uh, your your girlfriend for a brief second and her living in London. Um, you know, right now, where are you at on the side of family, on the side of, you know, wanting kids? You just saw my little one come in here and I was fucking with you saying, Jesus, this is what happens. You ready for this? And you're like, oh, man. You know, I'm
1: I'm 38 now. And, and it's weird because when we make these specials, it's kind of an interesting time capsule of where your head's at. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch like... I did a special called buried alive and in that one I'm like terrified about having kids or whatever and and you know uh there's also specials where I'm like frustrated about dating and being single and now it's like yeah I'm engaged and I'm I'm just like pulling in and and I I'm I'm uh I'm kind of at the age and point in my life and I found the partner that I want to go on that journey with and uh you know I'm 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 ready to do it man I'm ready
2: that's dope that's so dope, man. And you, you know, you could not have said it better just about the timeline uh, of, of events, you know, of of, of of where we were at certain points in times in our lives and it's on display in these comedy specials. And when you go back, you go back and you look at it, it's like, holy fuck, like I really have put my entire life like on display like my my fans my audience well they've grown with me as I've grown as I've as I've matured into this person that I am today well you can' see where you can see when we
1: both, we both started when we were 19 we yes. were like we started when we were kids I mean the the special I don't know if you saw it but it starts with 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 the clip of me that some NYU kid filmed like you know, doc footage of me when I was 19, like, going up at the cellar, and I was watching it, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm like a kid. Like, you don't even realize how young you were, and, like, both of us, we started so young, we probably, I mean, how old were you when your first special came out? Probably, like, mid-20s?
2: 24, I want to say.
1: I mean, I was about, you know, I was around that, hovering around the same age when my first special came out. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're kind of like little kids, you know, even though we're, like, 20, 20s yeah. it's like a kid compared to now, you know, and you see us, talking and kind of talking about everything we think and believe and what we're worried about and it is an interesting kind of time capsule. I mean it's also like a little bit of an embarrassing time capsule sometimes too, but you know it's honestly, it is.
2: <laughs> you you then, right? I mean, just shifting more gears now because you wear so many hats. Uh, you said you right. Uh, of course we know that because of your work behind the creative of your your series but now you're wearing this director's hat man you're you're, yeah you've fallen in love with directing um when did you make that decision I mean was that one of the things while doing the series you said that you wanted to play around with you wanted to try and do and the bug bit you again how did you fall in love with this well
1: I uh I directed a few episodes of uh, season 1 that was the first time I directed and then I directed more episodes when we did season 2 I think I directed like two episodes in season 1 and season 2 I directed like four or five and then season 3 I directed all of them cuz I'd worked on the scripts uh with Lena and I felt really close to the scripts and really had a very specific idea of how I wanted to kind of show the story and um yeah I mean look when whenever you do stand up I mean you know this like when we do stand-up, we're, it, it, it's such a unique job in show business because you have so much control over everything. You're your own boss and everything. No one can really tell you anything, you know? Like, it's so just about you. Like, I mean, when we turn in a stand-up special, no one no one gives notes on stand-up specials, really. You know, it is what you turn in. You, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of the director in, in every regard. So I, I think doing stand-up, I'm used to that kind of, being able to be that specific about what I want and what I want to create that you know when I write a script it's hard for me to imagine you know someone else directing it or whatever because when I'm writing I kind of have this specific vision and also you know as I've been doing it the last few years I've kind of developed my process of kind of taking these scripts and kind of developing an end product so it's a a process that I feel like I have to do to kind of you know uh, get it where I want it to be.
2: Do you see this taking the place of what the stand-up that stand-up basically, there's a, there's a high level of fulfillment that comes with comedy, right? You getting on that yeah. stage. Is your, is your passion for directing matching that to where it could replace that as you get older and you know, get on the side?
1: It's ultimately, we're always doing the same thing, right? Our, it's just our mind kind of analyzing you know, life and, and humanity and, and, and all the experiences that we're going through and that will come out in in your films or your stand-up or or whatever right it's just kind of you processing the world so you know stand-up you can kind of do different things and stand-up there's that immediacy where like something can happen that morning and then you're talking about it or like something's in the news right now and you can talk about it whereas a film or tv you know it's a much longer uh gestation period before it comes out. But that that's what's so special about stand-up,
2: you know? I'm dabbling in the world of directing. You know, it's like uh, for me it's just the time though, These, Like the there's the amount of time that you gotta put into the project. You gotta you gotta be a part of it afterwards, the editing side yeah. of it. I mean there's there's so much. There's so, so much that you have to do, right? It's just like holy shit. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's like I don't know, I don't know if I have that amount of time that I can put into something.
1: It's got to be a thing, it's got to be a show or a movie that you're really, it's got to be one where you're like, oh, I, I got to do it. And you'll just know. I mean, that's how I feel. It's like, oh, I've got to do
2: it. I think that's what it is. And it's like what, and I also think that it's going to be, I'm going to do like, um, something that would act as a passion project. Like it would have to be, it would have to be the comedy that, i like okay this is something that i developed this is a story that i want to tell and it's very specific right so if i can crack that code then i think i will but I, until then i just, i'm more fearful of the idea of being attached to a project for eight months to a year that's the scary part that's the part that i don't know if i could do
1: no it's a long time i mean you really got to be you got to be
2: in when i tell you when i tell you here's the funny thing about my household so my wife knows I'm doing my podcast. She knows, right? But my wife is so pissed. Okay, I'll get it, Zoe. My wife is so pissed that the kids pull her all day that she gets to this point where she just goes, fuck it. And, and she doesn't care where they go or what they do. Like, she knows. She knows that I'm in <laughs> here working. She, she When I say she not only knows, I actually told her before I started it that I'm about to start the podcast with Aziz. So, honey, just make sure nobody comes in the office. She knows he's back here. She knows he's going to bug me. She doesn't give a shit. She doesn't give two shits, Aziz. You know why? Because she's had it. She's she's had it, and they've driven her crazy. And now I got two teenagers. My teenagers know that I'm down here working. You know what my teenagers do? They don't do a goddamn thing, Aziz. They just sit in the room. And they just let all this other stuff happen. So as you say you want kids, I want you to understand this is what it turns into. Right? See this right here. This is, what it, this is what it turns into. So, when you say, Hey, Kev, why are you out? Why are you out doing all these jobs? Why are you working so much? Well, here you go, Aziz. Huh? <laughs> here, you, here you go. Because you got to get out. You got to find ways to get a break. Do you understand? That's me? why you're in the so, tub. That's so, why you're <laughs> in that cold tub. That's like why I, I'm in the cold I can't, tub. Can't jump
1: in the tub. I got to go in there, sitting there with, with LeBron or whoever, and just, that's and just what it is. be around my and I'll that's, get paid for it.
2: That's exactly maybe, maybe what right. it is the cold tub the heart to heart the podcast the 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 straight from the heart it all
1: you with your kids with with screens and stuff are they just on screens all the time or do you try to limit the screen time or
2: no you got to limit it you got to limit it because it's it's addictive man so you got to find the educational stuff on them give it to them let them watch some stuff on there but just try to do it in doses to where it's not crazy crazy you know what i mean but i can i can be honest though i have i have very good kids like they're they're not a lot. Like that's that's his that's his version of a turn up. His version of turned up is coming in the office. Fine,
1: right, you see you calm. Yeah,
2: he's not he's not crazy. That could have been worse. That could have been embarrassing disease. You could have looked at me and said, Jesus Christ, Kevin's household is a shit show. But it's not the case. You saw that it's very much in control.
0: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Okay, so we, we've we talked about you, the world of comedy. We've talked about your new special that's dropping January 25th. We talked about the development and which it 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 basically uh, all that it has that's into it. I love the fact that you took a different creative approach. Um, we talked about you and just the impromptu tour and how you came about. Um, you now as a writer. You now as a director within the show. Um, I know there's projects that you're doing that you can't talk about that you can't discuss. But I think the world is in for a hell of a treat, man. When they find out that your passion and energy is is not just not just exactly what and where it's supposed to to be but the material the material is the same man um you got some big things coming up really really big things where where does Aziz want to be in five years
1: uh you know i'm i'm really happy where i'm at now and if i can just kind of keep getting to do stand up every now and then and put out specials and do tours and then in between that work on you know, writing and directing projects that I'm I'm passionate about, whether they're films or other seasons of Master or whatever, I mean, that's that's that would be a dream for me. I'm 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 all good.
2: So there is no there is no goal of a certain amount of specials that you want to have in a can. Uh are you are you looking for accolades? Are you just are you just in it just for for the self-fulfillment of you and happiness for you?
1: I think uh yeah, I mean it's more about just kind of making work I'm I'm proud of. Because look, I've done stuff where I've gotten the awards and all this stuff, and I've done stuff where, you know, maybe that didn't come. Uh, but in the end of the day, like what's left is the work you've made. And if you feel good about it, then you won. Like, that's what I've realized. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I just want to be creatively fulfilled and, you know, I want to follow your path and have some kids and, and have a family and all that. And, and, uh, that's enough. I mean, look, man, the, the thing with both of us is we, we both started so young, you know, by the time we are in our late thirties or whatever, we, we've already done so many of the things we've already went through so many yeah. things. So we're kind of like, old guard at a certain point so you know I'm not you know I not that I'm not ambitious but like not like I'm kind of ambitious in a different way I'm like ambitious in a quieter way of like oh I just want to make stuff that like you know I can show like I want to make a special that like you know like whenever you saw me do that set and afterwards you're like man you got some stuff like that that means a lot to me you know like I realized like yeah the respect of your peers like the genuine respect of your peers and you know we all know when it's genuine like you know when like you or chris or whoever says like dude that's some that's that's fire like that's good that that to me is the the home run and um, nice. th- and, and then kind of continuing to to make stuff that i'm i'm proud to show my friends and whether it's other standups or writers and directors like that that that's that's really the bar for me you know i realized that's kind of the 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 better bar to separate yourself in a way.
2: What uh? What else do you do? You know, outside of this craft, outside of the entertainment, are there any other hobbies? Are there any other ventures? Have you have you taken a liking to some other things that you have thrown time towards, or, or no?
1: I just uh, you know, I live a pretty quiet quiet life. I cook a lot. I, cook, I you know during the pandemic, I learned like all of my mom's recipes, like uh, like all the Indian food that I ate as a kid. I I. I I love to cook, and um, other than that, I'm just kind of just just working on the stuff and, and doing stand up, and that's pretty
2: Where does the money go? What do you do? The
1: money goes into, where does it go? I mean, I, it goes to, you know, I don't really spend that much money. It all just goes to a little low interest money market account. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not a splurge? There, has there been one splurge? Is there, has there been one, you know what, I'm going to treat myself? The the The,
1: the splurges are like when I, you know, Go on vacation with my okay. or something like that, like I'll, we go. I'll go to go to Italy or whatever. I'm kind of a a, a, a z's parody in that regard, but like, yeah, look, man, I, I, I when you when you only do a few projects, you have the whole summer free. You can just you can just dick around. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'll like, but I like write and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like vacation, but like during the morning, I will like write. I'll write a few pages. Like, if, you know, I always. I always think in my head like, "Oh, if you just write like five pages a day, like that's so much; it adds up so quick, you know." And um,
2: so even that when- actually is a great—that's a great way to look at it too. You know, if you—it's you, like you know, like, uh, uh, you know Kurosawa? you're cutting away; you're cutting away at it.
1: Yeah, Do you know, Kurosawa, Japanese yes. director. He, yes. He, his his thing was five pages a day. So I saw that. I was like, "Damn! If he did five pages a day, that guy made so many movies." I mean, that that's that that's a that's a good good number then.
2: It's a great number, but really, if you look at the philosophy i mean you're 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 gonna look up and in you know two months' time, well, depending on how much you've written there's there's so much creativity, but you're always applying yourself that's what I like about it i i I come from the school of how much energy are you putting into you right like at at the at the top of your day, what is the amount of energy going into you. What are you doing? What's the, what do you start out with? Whether it's your workout, whether it's the cup of coffee, the laptop, whether it's the research and then, and then, uh, you know, summarizing the research that you've made, whatever it is, how do you work on the craft, um, of you, what, what is it that you're doing to apply? So when you say that about five pages a day, three pages a day, whatever that thing is, well, you're never going to lose. You're never going to lose because you're always working on you.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think so much of what I'm trying to do now, a lot of it is kind of, you know, creating that space for your mind, whether it's like, you know, meditating or like, um, I mean, you know, my, all that stuff I have with like, not using email and having a phone yeah. and just kind of trying to be inaccessible to kind of just is. i have found like the biggest help for me is like just the more room i give my mind to kind of rest and breathe the more productive i can be i mean that material i wrote for the special i started in like october and then i started doing shows by christmas that's the fastest i've ever put it mm. together. And I think it, I think it holds up. I think it's as good as the other hours. I don't think it's like a shitty hour <laughs> I'm doing. You know? well, but it I, I would have been that fast if I didn't do all this other stuff I do uh, to kind of keep my head clear, you know?
2: It, yeah, for- you're sharper. You're also sharper within the craft. Um, and you know, the, the one thing that you've always done a good job, and that's why I asked you earlier, just have you always been conscious of it? It's just like, you're, you're removed without being removed. You know, like you know, you're just you, you, are you're you're distant from the bullshit. It's not it's not around you. You're not you're not privy to it. And I think for you, it it acts as a hell of a helping aid. You know what I mean? Like your your mind is always in a good place.
1: Yeah, I really keep up the news and all this stuff. Like I mean, I mean, like I don't know. However many years ago, I kind of started turning off the internet and and you know I deleted all the social media and there's all this stuff. And I've slowly just kept going further and further. You know, I stopped using email like maybe like four years ago, and I mean, look, I know all this stuff is like, oh yeah, I'm in a position where I I can do that and have you know whatever certain privileges to to be able to pull it off an assistant or whatever. But but all that stuff I do think helps me get more done, kind of taking care of stuff or whatever. Whether it's you know it's like working out or meditating, or all that kind of stuff. It all kind of it's almost like I kind of started thinking about like. You know, everyone thinks about their diet and what they eat. Like at a certain point, like it's also about thinking about your mental diet and like what you're putting in your head. Uh, you know, whether it's like oh, looking at the same four websites constantly, checking New York Times like 50 times a day. At a certain point, it's like yeah, that's not really, yeah, it's not really helping. Yeah. You know, uh, what I, mean?
2: I like the I like the side of just having a having a a a self checkpoint, right? It's like you you there, yeah. there's a checkpoint, and it's and it's I know. What's good for me? I know what I can take. I know what I need and what I don't need, and things that I don't need, I don't have to have access to. So I can limit that access, and that goes through a different portal, and that portal doesn't get to me. And I make the decisions off of what does. I think that's strong. That's strong. And as we get older, especially in this business, you gotta fucking do it more, more than not. Um, I'm definitely gonna feel some pieces of it, you know, because I'm 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 way too accessible uh, to to a certain degree. Um,
1: Hey, well, I'm here if you, if you need yeah, my, my tips. I, 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 I've done it all. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. man. I, I will take you up on that, disease. but you've given me a lot, man. Um, You inspire me, dude. Like, I, I love talking to you. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a friend. And and I'm proud of you, dude. I'm, I'm genuinely happy for you.
1: People don't always know who knows each other and stuff, but, you know, we've known each other for a long time. I remember you, you coming to my... Show in Montreal when I was a kid doing a show there, and and uh, you know you've always been super nice to me, and and uh, you know I appreciate you, and and uh, thanks for having me on, and and always I, I always love when 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 we're at the comedy club and, and we both are there, and I get to see what you're up to, and and um, I have so much respect for you as well, and and just kind of you know I saw your show at at the Hollywood Bowl whenever that last tour was, and I was like damn, like he, I mean he, even with all the movies and stuff. You're, you're still able to dedicate so much to stand up and you really care about the craft and, 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 and I'm the same way. So, you know, I, I appreciate you.
2: Well, it's paying off, man, and it will continue. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Comedy Gold Mines. You know what we do here. We get inside the minds of amazing comedians. And oh my god, what an amazing mind this one was. Uh, Aziz sorry, guys, make sure you catch a special. Uh, it will be on Netflix January 25th. If this is on after that, well, god damn it, make sure you tune in. It's called Nightclub Comedian, a great creative approach to the craft, uh, one that I think others will be blown away by. Hopefully, you as fans will be, too. Uh, And look, if he's got dates up, go check him out. The guy's fucking funny, forever funny. And the guys a creative. So his show, season three now, oh my god. Season three, man. Um, That's not something to be frowned upon. That's a big goddamn deal, man, master of none. Um, Doing big things there, writing. Uh, producing, directing And he's got crazy things coming your way I'm going to be hush about it Because I think his announcement When that announcement comes Is going to be big You got a lot, a lot, a lot to look forward to When it comes to the business of Aziz Sorry. Thank you again, Aziz I appreciate you, man Love you, dude Comedy Goldmines is a serious XM
0: And LOL Audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emile Garner and Ian McDonald. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.